Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Independence Report, this is Life Between Lives. We have a special guest. Her name is Diana Pequa. <laughs> correct? How about Diana Pake? I like Pequa better. Okay. I, it's, it's, it's a French version. And uh, <laughs> Diana Pake, and we are, uh, Regan uh, Forston is missing in action. And uh, uh, Natasha Venter's right there. Natasha, you and I are cooked little puppies, and they're in the 60s down where they are. But we're, we're my temperature reading is 111. What's yours? Wow. My computer says 103. And which is which is a record for 103. For 111, th th this would be a record in some states like Texas in some areas and stuff like we're that. We're hotter than Arizona. Uh, yes, we are. So it's it sucks if you're around here. Uh, uh, um, cozy up to your AC or your fan and listen to the next hour because we've got a great show for you today. Uh, theoretically, if if Regan can get here, that would be great. But Diana Pake, how are you? I'm good. It's wonderful to be here. It is indeed, and it's it's and and uh, uh, Natasha. How are you doing in, <clears throat> in sweltering heat? I'm actually doing quite well. I, I actually handle heat better than a lot. Now, 103 is a little bit warm, and it's more because the air is not moving, you know. But at the same time, because I'm not a fan person, I like fan, being a fan of somebody, but not a fan of fans, <laughs> just because the way the <laughs> air blows. But uh, And that's the only thing that really gets me. But, you know, it's I have been out of school for a week and it's been interesting how many downloads i've been catching up on <laughs> oh good, good being good. This intuitive i am you're gonna have to tell us about that and on wednesday for sure that's maybe that's what we should talk about on wednesday i agree and that is uh our life clarifications with natasha that's four o'clock on wednesdays and at this at this point in time we're we're this is life between lives and we're we generally talk about now diana you are on the executive board of the Newton Institute. Is that correct? I'm the executive director of the Newton Institute. Oh dear, I undersold you. You're the <laughs> boss. You're the you're the head bottle washer, and you're the boss. You're the That's one people say, me. "Hello, Ms. Diana." So, how long has that been in effect? I've been the executive director since um, March of 2018. Oh, so, very cool. A couple of years. Fill our audience in who may not be aware of what the Newton Institute is and what they do. The Newton Institute is an organization that was originally founded by Michael Newton. And Michael was a uh, psychotherapist who found in his work that there uh, is value in taking uh, clients on a deep journey between lives and to move outside of the realm of the human body and the human mind 
and to be able to explore the journey of the soul. And his first book was written in the early 90s and was called Journey of Souls. And that's the one that people tend to find first. And he's written, he wrote several books after that and he died in 2016. And the Newton Institute is the organization that he founded to carry on his work. So what we do is we train therapists. We train people to do the work that Michael began. And now we are taking our work online more and more. The pandemic has moved us into that realm. And so there are therapists all over the world at this point. And if people want to know more about that, um, they can visit the newtoninstitute.org and locate a therapist. So uh, it's a lot of information about between life work that we do. There are other people who do between life work, but it's a particular process that Michael developed that all of us as, as therapists have been uh, trained in. So both Reagan and I are, are uh, certified Newton therapists. And on the other side of the coin, we have Natasha Venter, who is a, a psychic medium. <laughs> I know, sorry, rearranging my fan here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a necessary thing. So, um, and, and you approach the same subject matter from a different perspective, a different I way. I do, I do. And that's the, the gift that I bring into this kind of, well, it's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be whatever it's supposed to be here on the show. The perspective that, you know, I got so much from just my guides, my inner knowings, my soul, my own personal soul walk, uh, being dyslexic in my life that I didn't read books really until after high school. So a lot of my own knowings became truth because I observed I checked in when somebody said something, is that my truth or is that a truth? Or is, is that my truth? Is it a truth or is it just somebody else's truth? And so I really kind of did some observing and, I, and it really gave me a lot of tools to the now and how I perceive things and, and how my intuitiveness works with getting things and trusting them and navigating through them. Because I know many a times, like my dad who was intuitive himself would say, you know, there's been times when I would get a hit, walk out the back door, and he was at a party, teenage party, he would walk out the back door, and cops would walk in the front door. So, and this was in the 50s, 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s. So with that, that, you know, it's that trusting us, trusting what is for our greater good. And that's where I like to bring in that perspective, is that inner knowing part of things. And and not to say Diane doesn't have it, Regan doesn't have it, or Kevin doesn't have it. It's just that's my that's my calling to do is to bring that insight for people. And it works in uh, the same way for both, regardless of how you do it, because we've sat here many times and you and Regan and Diana have agreed totally on what you're saying. You just could reach the, the, the conclusion from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's what we tell our clients. There is no one way. So I had a client this week who came to me who had been to somebody else and realized that doing the Newton work was not his way of knowing. And, and so he had worked with a psychic before and, and I suggested that he continue his search, but doing it with, with my way of finding out is not the way that matches the way he's wired. And so sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Mm -hmm. And, 
it isn't that you failed. It means that you have to find your path and your way of knowing and be true to that way of knowing. And that's what Natasha is saying. You're true to your way of knowing and I'm true to mine and how my guides work mm -hmm. and how they inform me. And so it's, it's a slightly different, but it's still all source. You know, we're all connecting to source. Mm -hmm. And it's like grabbing, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, a hand, you know, not one finger does the same job, not does one person. And so it's finding the collective truth to find on what to grab onto. And that's one thing that I love about the show is, is we get different perspectives yet come down to be the same perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, in many times, and and that's when you get when things come down to a cleaner truth. You know that it's more of a greater truth of the universe when when you come down into more people saying the same thing. You know, it's interesting, and I have this question is for both of you, and we'll start with uh, Natasha. Since since Regan is uh, AOL, we can't figure out where the heck he went, uh, but uh, he was he was there, but now he's not. But anyway. Um, there seems to be a change, a fundamental change in people that are looking for validation, truth. What's, what happens after we die? What happens between our between lives? How, how our souls are generated? All of that stuff. It seems to be a real big topic of interest. Are you finding that in your work that, that a lot of people are trying to figure that out? Yes, that is a lot of times when my clients come to me, though, it's their personal walk. You know, the kind of work that I do is many times just doing, you know, like me doing the show is a perspective of what I do. It's that helping the soul get through this lifetime. And then what I bring in, too, is a perspective of past lives, perspective of, of their guides to bring in a more rounded version of this lifetime so that it's like oh i yeah i guess that's not shame that i should be working with that's kind of something that i should just kind of go oh it was just wrong timing <laughs> you know it's just it's it's a gift to be able to give somebody support in life diana what do you think i think people come in and they will tell you when they contact you, me they will give me um something as a starter, you know, that they're looking for. And usually if you have a conversation with them, you find out it isn't just about the purpose of life or the meaning of life. It's something much deeper and much more personal. So when they approach us, they tend to say something that they feel comfortable saying. And then as they begin to trust that they're safe, then they open up about what it's really about and what they're really working with. So Usually when we start working with clients, I usually have a, a consultation where I talk, where we just talk. And, and the more people open up, then you get down to what's really underneath it about mm -hmm. what isn't working in their lives, what they're really looking for. So they may say they're interested in what's happening in this lifetime or their soul's journey or how old their soul is or something that they find in the Newton books. But then when you really talk to them, they try, they're, they ultimately get down to what it is that they're really searching for. And they may not even be able to put it into words. They may have to talk it out and talk around it because they don't have words. They have a feeling. And, and having the conversation then begins to open up what that feeling is really about. So a lot of what we suffer with is how to explain what it is we want to know. 
because language isn't good enough. You know, language uh -huh. doesn't always work. And so, so working with uh, a therapist or a, a medium, it helps you to begin to explain to yourself what it is you're looking for. And then you, then you can look for it. But a lot of times people have a, have a feeling that things just aren't right and I'm not going in the right direction. And they don't know how to put that into words. And it sounds, they go, I know it sounds crazy, but I have this feeling I should be doing something and I don't know what it is. And I need some help with that. It's like, okay, so it's not in language. This isn't language based. This is something that's emotionally based. But <laughs> You know, it's interesting because when I go talk to, because I've had a um, um, past life regression, haven't done a life between lives because that's like a six hour deal, um, but I haven't, and I haven't done that yet. But I've also been to more mediums than I can count, including, oh, shiny one up there. And, it's like us in the Northwest do not have air conditioning. So when it's 103, yeah, our house might be 97. <laughs> and, and, and I'm just, I'm just a little sweat ball, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, but um, well, I'm, I'm looking for validation. I'm, I'm looking for somebody to, because I already know what I believe. And uh, I, and actually it's more of a knowing. And so I'm looking for validation from the the medium or from Regan or from you as to what it is that I believe to validate that whether or not that's that's true or not. And uh, so are there a lot of people like me out there or are there a lot of people who seem to be lost and are trying to to, to find their way uh, into something that they really want to do? Um, I, I think I think they've been exposed to something. And they're trying, uh, many people are trying to validate. Others are very disappointed if they just get validation. Why? That they expect that they're going to get some big burst of knowing. But that is the big burst of knowing. But, that but is the validation. But they don't, but I've had people who are very disappointed that they had a sense of something and then that was what was communicated and validated. And they didn't feel that was enough. That, it, that they want, we're looking for the magic, the big aha, something, you know, like what's going to happen in the next 10 years that is going to change my life. Well, but and that's I, free will. Nobody knows that. You, can, you can't determine that until they, and, until they decide what they're going to do with themselves because that's, that's free will. Yeah. Uh, Natasha, what do you think? Am I being just overly dramatic? No, and, and that's the thing is, is that I notice like when I'm doing a session with a intuitive, you know, they don't have to be medium, they just they're intuitive, that a lot of times my sessions are about confirmations. Mm -hmm. And I say the more confirmations you get, the more your intuitiveness is working. So that's a validation for you, which is a gift to know. And when we're when we're working in life and when we're doing things in life, that many of us question ourselves. And so when we can get a validation that we're on the right road, hallelujah, you know, and that's the thing is, is that it's part of getting the ego out of the way. And the ego wants to, to have a bigger meal, wants to have the bigger thing. And, and, and when you're doing intuitive work, you have to put your ego, not necessarily, a lot of people think that you have to take the ego away. I just have it sit down in, in the circle of my guides and say, you're just part of the team instead of speaking up and going, hey, 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 you know. And so with that, that it's part of that process of navigating what we are. So, Kevin, you're right 
And so is someone else's right. But it's that kind of writing on the uh, writing up a ship that neither of you are are right or wrong. It's just whatever's feel more right. So when you have a session, you're looking for confirmations. You're looking for because you're intuitive. You know things. Somebody who's just learning to trust themselves is going to want a little bit more hallelujahs. And yeah, that, you know, like there's a, there was a message one day. I saw an owl in the very back. That, I mean, he was flying like an eagle would fly. You know, he was far away. And then I had a little ladybug that was flew in front of my eyes. And so that was the, the thing is you're going to have to notice the little things in front of you. They get the confirmations, but then get the bigger message, the bigger vision outside and, and see the magic that's out there. And so it's just that part of process. Just sometimes the answers are the answers. By the way, if you'd like to comment on us, comment on us. Hmm. If you'd like <laughs> to comment about what we're talking about, you can do that. Just it's in the upper right-hand corner. You hit comments, say what you'd like to say, and we'll put it up so that we can then discuss it so that uh, you can, it's an interactive show and you can be part of the program, except for everybody but Regan, because he ain't making it, <laughs> it appears. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry that he's, he's not going to make it, but uh, uh, but so in, in the, your work, Dan, are you finding that there are more people that are interested in this work than ever before? Yeah, I've, I've seen since about the last, last fall that I'm seeing many more people who are, are at the point of asking questions, that they've done some work on their own and that they, are, they have space in their lives to hear the answers and they're ready. They've done, you know, they're ready for some change. And here is Regan. Hey. How you doing? I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Diana. I, That's okay. I, I couldn't get that. I tried uh, restarting everything, turned off everything electrical, and I'm still looks like I'm on fire on that. So I don't know. So I, I'm just no, you're fine now. Headphone. You're I, fine. Yeah, good. Hi, Diana. Hi, how sorry are you? To, sorry to interrupt you. Go That's ahead. okay. Finish your thought there. So, I've forgotten what my thought was. Oh, it was a nice thought, though. <laughs> oh, anyway, okay, good. We <laughs> <laughs> were just asked. Uh, Kevin had just asked me if we're seeing more people coming in and asking questions and being interested, and and there's been a flow since last fall that I've seen a huge uptick. Um, and and then it's a, a regular flow of people who are interested, and some are are ready, and some are not. Um, and and there's always a a level of readiness that you have to, you know. People may not have have the ability. I I tend to get people who have, are very analytical, and sometimes you have to do some work with them if they have a very analytical mind because the analytical mind will get in the way of the emotional mind. And so if you're analyzing everything and you think everything, you have to be able to respond in a feeling way. So if I ask you what you are sensing or what you're feeling, don't tell me, I think this. So it's really about what do you feel? And, and it's training, it's skill development. I'm trying to figure out I know if people are more interested in it than. Are you typing, Regan? Am I what? Are you typing? No, I'm writing. Oh, oh okay. 
I, anyway, so but more people are feeling. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what is the motivation? Why are people interested more so in it than they have been in the past? And what is their motivation? Do they want to find? Um, Regan, from your perspective, what is what is their motivation? Why are people more interested in life between lives and life after death than they have been before? Well, I think, I mean, obviously a lot has to do with COVID because they've been seeing death all around them, everywhere. Um, and um, I think when I was on the other side and we were asking about COVID and they were saying that sometimes uh, the dark is used to bring people to the light. Uh, meaning they go through difficult times, but it's that it's in that difficult time that you actually get deep enough. You know, you get you get to your soul level where you finally, you know, in a sense, um, leave the matrix for a moment and and go, wow, what you know, what am I doing here? I'm gonna, you know, uh, so many people have just wondered, like, oh gosh, it could be me next. You know, people have a lot of people have been rushing to get their wills done and. You know, um, it's uh, just been a crazy time. So I think that's been a blessing in all of the darkness that we've had is people are starting to get to what's really real. And that's to like, why are we here? And what are we supposed to be doing? You know, um, so I, I've had several clients that came to me because they lost people to COVID and they were devastated, especially not being able to say goodbye to them, you know, uh, one of my clients, I think I mentioned on the show before, was, you know, her mom was, uh, she lost her grandmother and uh, she's from Russia, but she lives here with her husband and she could not get a plane anyway. There was just no way she could get back to her grandma's funeral. And her grandma was the person she was closest to in all the world, you know. And um, the first time we tried it, actually, uh, Diana, you know, it's like sometimes you have clients, they're so emotional, they have some sort of issue, but so much. They just can't get themselves to relax enough to actually uh, let the process work because they have this block. So um, we got part of the way there, but um, uh, then I, you know, I think I was working for four hours, four and a half hours. We finally said, hey, look, let's just break this up into two sessions. And I'm going to give you a little more time. But anyway, I went back to L.A. six months later and wow, she just had the whole A plus uh, life between life session and the person who ended up being her guide was her grandmother and her grandmother had incarnated in this life with her to be closer to her. Uh, but the, her grandma showed us all over the place on the, on the afterlife. And she had the m most beautiful time with her grandmother. And afterwards she said, you know what? I, I still am hurting because of my grandma, but it's not so bad now, you know, because she knows her grandma's just like I say, we say in the other room, you know, so I it was one of those sessions I went, Oh, like Diane and I have a once in a while, when you get off, you just feel elated because mm -hmm. these people got so in touch. Don't you feel that way too, Natasha, sometimes? You oh, know? yes, definitely. Especially when they are in so much grief. Mm -hmm. And I've done that with parents who've lost ch children yeah. and done a session with them. And they just, they walked in a little bit straighter the next time I see them. And it's been a blessing and that's the thing that when we're working through grief, there's a lot of times where even me doing sessions that they're so overrun with grief that the door is closed and, and you can't, sometimes you just have to move just a little bit in our understanding of grief to be able to open up to have a session or to do the spiritual work. Sometimes we just have to sit 
like in a chair and just be in the grief for a moment and then be able to move forward past it. Yeah. And there's yeah. no moving past it. It's just moving a little bit more into past it <laughs> or, you know, just a little bit further into the walk. My client this week was upset because a friend, a good one of her best friends had to come to her and tell her that, hey, your husband came to me in the dream and he wanted me to tell you that you're so much in grief right now that I want you to tell him that I'm okay, you know? And uh, and then she, until I told her, I said, well, that's just because you, you had that, you were just so much in grief, you weren't allowing, you know, that to come in. Uh, so, but she was able to talk to her, uh, uh, the person that had passed on on the other side this time uh, and get it directly. But yeah, I, I had a, a client one time, I, I think I mentioned it one time on the show, but it really tells how this happens. Uh, her husband, um, it was on New Year's Eve about three years ago, and her husband, um, right across the streets at KFC, a Kentucky Fried Chicken, he went in there on New Year's Eve to get something for the family. As he's walking out, now he's Hispanic, and um, the neighborhood that he's in uh, is one gang. There's another gang in another neighborhood. But anyway, he walked by another gang member as he's walking out, and the gang member didn't like the way that he looked at him. So as he's getting in his car, the other guy went back, the other gang member went back to his car, came out and just shot him in the back and killed him. So he is this, this man, he's lost his, you know, he had a little daughter, little three-year-old daughter. His wife was totally devastated, you know. I mean, it, it was a whole crazy thing how she found out and and she was there at the death scene and, oh man, it was really hard for her. She's, she was like 23 or something. So anyway, she is so into grief and everything like that. So when I did a session for her, she said what made her start to think about the spiritual side to things is when her father-in-law came to her and said, my son came to me in the dream and he told me, you know, you need to watch out for our daughter. You need to become strong, very strong. And she needs a lot of guidance and help. And you need to really step up and know that I'm okay, but you need to really be a better mom, you know? And he says to tell her that so she knows it's coming from me tell her that she has a tattoo of a rose on her left breast, you know? And so here's the father-in-law feeling really uncomfortable about that, <laughs> that he came to her and says, daughter-in-law, you know, my son came to me and he told me this and he said, you know, you gotta, and boy, she started crying like a baby because she knew that was him, you know? So uh, that just shows you, you know, that uh, when the people are on the other side, they will do whatever it takes to try to get to you to tell you that they're okay. Christina, oh, go ahead, Natasha. And that's the difference, I think, between the person doing the work and being a medium, because I can tap in at any time. There's been times that, that the, the spirit wasn't available, but I had an angel that was the interpreter going back and forth. And, you know, just because sometimes when spirit goes over, it depends on where they're at in their, their journey after leaving, that they end up doing this kind of thing. And so the angels did that. But that is the difference, is that I'm... The, I'm the conductor, not the other person, the person in the grief. So there's that little bit of shift on how this can be a little bit different than, than, than doing it yourself. Yeah, I had a client who, um, whose husband had died at about uh, six weeks earlier, and he was in his 40s. And um, she was really angry that he died because she felt abandoned. And she felt everything that they were doing. There was a lot of anger that she wasn't really, 
she re wasn't really hooking into. But at the point that she um, that that she came to me, she wa wanted to know what was going to happen and what she should do in her life, and and she basically had to live where she was, and she had to go through the grief, and she was wanting to bypass that. And she was shifting it into anger. Well, this is, that's one of the stages of grief. Mm -hmm. And so she was exactly where she was supposed to be. And her husband was not there to talk to her um, when she went because it was too soon. He hadn't finished transitioning. And, and so he wasn't available, but her guys were talking to her. And they were available and gave her a lot of confirmation about how she had chosen a very difficult life, how, she, how well she was doing. Um, and, and so she got a lot of that confirmation that things were the way they're supposed to be and she didn't need to, to be upset about that. And, and that um, she, she was, uh, she's Australian and she was living in Germany with her husband. And so um, was, didn't know where to move to and her guys are basically saying, whatever you choose to do, there's a lesson in it. You're open to wherever you want to go. So don't limit yourself by thinking it has to be one thing or another. And now may not be the time to consider that. You know, be present with where you are now, with what you're experiencing. And, and she has a daughter. And so we talked about her daughter and her daughter was there as a guide for her but she wasn't letting her daughter in. So, you know, it's like, there was really the family dynamic that had to be opened up and she just had to experience the grief at that point in time, you know, and, and so people don't want to be in that kind of pain. And she was really angry that he got a, uh, got a brain tumor and they did everything they could for healing and he died anyway. And she didn't like that answer. You know, she didn't want him to die. And so they're basically saying, you know, this was what was planned. And, and I, you know, she was angry. And so she had, she had quite a conversation with them, letting out that anger, which was part of her healing process. I guess I have a completely different viewpoint than the rest of, the rest of you guys. Because uh, I've read Dr. Newton's work. Uh, there have been 65 or 70,000 people that have been gone through Life Between Lives work. It's documented. People have, uh, it's true. Um, people have gone through the same thing. I've talked to Natasha. I've talked to Kim Miller. I've talked to John Edward. I've talked to uh, Coriel. I've talked to, um, um, well, probably 30 or 40 different mystics and psychics who all basically say the same thing. And so I, when you die, you're not dead. I can't seem to get people past that, is that you're not dead when you die, and there's no reason to feel grief for somebody who's not dead. You just have to communicate with them in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, but apparently that is a minority viewpoint <laughs> in, the, in the world today. Would you agree with that, Natasha? Well, you know, that's the thing is, is that, I I can understand that. You know, I communicate with my dad and I'm not necessarily grieving them. I'm grieving the physical contact with them. 
I'm grieving the interactions I have with them. I'm grieving the hearing of the voices of them. And it's more for me, because I have this, a lot of the same perspective. It's like when my mother of heart, Pat, passed away, once I heard that that um, message, it was like, a baby's born. You know, it was like, you know, it was the hallelujah, because she's finally out of pain. But it's that physicalness, because I do hear their voice. I mean, but yet it's still not their physical body voice. And, and sometimes for me, my dad's voice was such a comfort, you know, so with that, and I'm going to tell you though, that, that Kevin, your life journey isn't probably to feel grief in this lifetime where there's some of us that are like for me, if I wasn't to feel the grief, I wouldn't be able to help the people through grief that I do. Cause I do have great empathy for people who have lost. Now I have not lost a husband or a child, but yet I spent, you know, 20 years with a woman who lost a child. And so I witnessed it through her with very, very, very deep conversations and actually giving message from her child, you know, and then, you know, talking and being with people who have lost their husbands and feeling and witnessing their grief has supported me in understanding that perspective. So we all handle emotions differently. Yours is just a little different this lifetime. Yeah, it's like because we've we've lost we've lost Regan, but <laughs> but I know that we're gonna you know I know that I know that we'll see him again someday. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he's on remote like this, he he does have a problem with it though. So we'll honor that. Just like last week, I had problems with mine. Well, it ended up being a, a a team member from another planet that decided to pop in on me <laughs> and uh, star being. And, and so he's now my new guide and he kind of screwed up my Internet. Yeah, he but. was saying that there's a, a, a electrical stuff going on around him. So that's that's probably OK. Now, now let's see what Susan has to say. She's probably going to take me to the woodshed. There's a huge difference between knowing death is an illusion in your brain and in your heart. We have energetic, magnetic, physical, and she took her a while to write this, physical, energetic connections with our loved ones. And when they die or break the connection, there's a very physical pain process on top of the mental, emotional process. Hey, I told you she would take me to the woodshed. Very well said. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I'll accept that, Susan. Very well said. <laughs> Oh, sure. Don't listen to anybody else. Just well, well, no. It's, it's, <laughs> giving you me, a hard time. <laughs> no, for me, when my brother passed in October, my first thought, my first friggin' thought, see, I've modified my language just for you ladies, um, was that he's now home. He's now in a better place, and he gets to find out that I was right in, in everything that was going to happen with him. So, um, <laughs> and and yes, Kevin, all of what Natasha said. So <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for backing me. No, I'm not against Kevin. It's just a different perspective. And your emotions, you do handle them different, you know, and I've witnessed that of you. And, and sometimes I'm, I, you know, sometimes I wish I was a little bit more like you and not having that such a emotional dance that I do. But why why was i 
born in the signs of two Cancerians and an Aries. You know, it's like, why do I have such water in my planetary signs so I can navigate through my emotions so that I can help others to help through those emotions. Right. But don't think that I'm not empathetic to the pain and the problem that it causes. I just, I just look at it from a perspective of, of, see, I would love to do the work that Deanna does because I approach it from the perspective of, you silly person, do you see? You get to go talk to your guys. You get to go talk to the council. You get to find out when you were going to change, how you were going to set this life up, who you're going to set it with, who your team is, and all of that stuff. And I and that would be that would be really entertaining to take somebody through all of that so that they could so that they could learn. Similar to what you do, um, you just do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And uh, but a lot of people are like, no. Nah, um, um, Natasha, what you do can't be real. You have a microphone set up behind them, or you have gone through and done, you looked at their Facebook page and you did this and you did that, or Diana, they're, they're saying, ah, no, I wasn't really under hypnosis. I was just kind of fast or, 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 or um, uh, fan- living a fantasy for a couple of moments. Uh, so a lot of people will poo poo it. And I, I get tired of people poo pooing it because it is so friggin' real. Well, I think people, when they experience it, what I find when someone goes into a past life or goes between lives and they get something that truly is a validation of something they feel in their core, that there's huge amounts of emotion. So I find somebody who is not, who who has thought, well, I wasn't in deep enough. And then all of a sudden they're just bawling like a baby you know, and it's like they get something that it absolutely hits them head on. And and that shifts them in that moment because they may not have believed it until they got to that point. And then at that point, they believe it because it hit them in a way that just thinking about it or imagining it wouldn't. So you get a, a connection, an emotional connection. I mean, that's why Michael talked about the emotional subconscious and superconscious. It's that it's an emotional response. And, and so you get that emotional response and, and it hits you in a way that just thinking about it wouldn't. Now, someone could say something to you, but if you actually feel it, that's really different. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I'm sure that both of you feel, I, Natasha, I know that you feel the people that you've lost in your life, you feel their presence around you all the time. Especially my dad. Yes. My dad, I, I really do my dad. My mom, yes, she's she pops in. and and But, you know, it depends on my soul family. My dad and I were very much soul family. Uh, it, you know, we could, we could, uh, we finished each other's sentences in this lifetime. So it was, it was one of those things, you know, the, and that, that does help me with my grief. Mm-hmm. That does very much help me with my grief. It still is the process of the physicality. And, and you know, that's the thing with people poo-pooing is, is that, that either in their lifetime they were meant to live in this 3D world. Or, like I tell people when they have sessions with me, it's kind of like updating a computer. You know, you can, or your phone. You know, you can put off updates. You can put off updates. You can put up updates updates but then there's sometimes where you're just going to get a big download and you're going to get things that you don't like in your phone anymore and in your knowings and that's that process of navigating through 
breaking open a new understanding or a new update. You know, sometimes once we find out that truth isn't really off center as we thought it was because we kind of got used to it after a little while. Mm -hmm. And Susan adds, um, after my father passed, I was very, very sad. Ten months later, at a healing seminar, I was triggered into deep sadness every time I saw an elderly man at the seminar. Well, I'm sorry, Susan, but I'm an elderly man. I hope that I don't make you sad. By the time day three, uh, uh, the tears were gone, healed. Now I can think of my dad and still miss him, but it doesn't reduce me to tears. So, and you, and that's that's through uh, Diana. Isn't that through the five stages of grief? Right. That means that, that is moving you through it. That you're actually healing, and and you you are shifting, and so that you can miss someone, but it isn't taking you into a place of of total tears and you know incapacitation. I always, I always um, tell, I, I got this image of what grief is. It's like, a, it's like a, almost like one of those parking garages that, that twirl up. And then all of a sudden you're climbing up the grief and you're finally feeling better. You're finally doing, and then something triggers you and you slide back down. And then you're kind of like, okay. And you go back up again. And, and the circle is about hitting certain emotions, anger, frustration, sadness, happiness, you know, whatever it is that you're going, uncertainty, all those things. And you finally, and then somebody triggers it. But the thing about grief is, is that first you climb to the top and you fall completely to the bottom. When you get to more of a walkable grief, you may get triggered and you slide down but you're able to catch yourself a little bit differently into understanding that, okay, yeah, I'll have a five minute cry and then I'll be done. And then I'll, I'm good. I get it out of me. And that's the thing is, is a lot of people don't realize that losing, you could have lost a parent two, three years ago or even 10 years or even like me, 20 years and then lose a pet yesterday and be crying but you're still dealing with your grief. You're all of a sudden thinking about the person that you lost, you know, two, three, 10, 20 years ago, because that's part of the grief process is that everything that you're going through, those emotions still repeat themselves. Yet at the same time, though, it is the process of working through them in a fresher, different perspective to navigate through those emotions. And th those emotions, grief is one of those more crack open the egg. Let's find out what life's really about moments. And every time that we go through it, it's another moment where we can say, oh, I know more about myself now. Wow, that's actually a gift. Even though my, my love goes to you for going through the grief process. So I've got another one for you guys. And that is everyone that I've ever talked to, including both of you fine ladies, have told me when we're talking about people on the other side that they are happy, they are complete, they are better than they were here. And the message that's almost universal is that they want us to know that they're fine and to shut up and get on with it because your life, you're still leading your life and you need to take it and do the best you can with it and not, and not. So from my perspective, you are honoring them by not grieving for them because that's what they want. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's the difference There's between that's the difference between being in a walkable grief where you're getting up and doing your life, you're getting up and you're doing, 
you do have moments and believe me when you lose a child and you lose somebody like a, like one of our um, people in the, in the um, uh, North of Mar Martha Norwalk family that, you know, when you have somebody so close to you and you lose them, your feet get taken out from underneath you. A child you is, have, I agree. Yeah. You have to, you have to go through that process of, Ooh, I can't put words on it because there's no words to put on it. Mm -hmm. But when you get to a walking grief, that's when our that's when our ancestors, that's when our loved ones say fine, thank you, because they understand that emotions do happen. They understand that we're going to have moments. They but they really would like us not to sit in the chair and and put a blanket around us and not move. That is the last thing they want from us. They understand that that there's going to be moments of that but they don't want us to stop our lives. And, and that's the thing is they want us to get to a walkable grief. They don't want to get us to where we just move on. Like, like there's no tomorrow. I want to honor people for their emotions. We it's just getting up and start moving our day-to-day -day life. But sometimes it takes a little bit and it depends on the circumstances around losing someone. Now I can tell you that losing someone like to cancer or something it's, it's, you get the, you go through the grief process when you find the diagnosis. If you lose someone in a car accident or something that happens like this and you do not recognize it, you don't get that, the awareness that grief is going to process through and it hits you like, like a windstorm is building a toppling over a tree and you have to start from moment one of hearing it. So there's a different process of grief when you're losing someone because of an illness or losing someone because of an accident. Like, and that's why, oh man, these people who are losing their, their, their family members to like a shooting and those kinds of things that there's this reaction because they're in instant reaction to grief. And it, there's nothing else that you can do with it besides just be with it. And Punch a bag if you need to. Scream into a pillow if you need to. It's that it's that emotional just releasing it if you can because it is a process to go through this. That's why you know our friend whose husband who dropped of a heart attack and she didn't have time to go through the mourning process before it happened, like I did with my parents. You know, we got it's honoring people where they're at. Diana, do um, if if we're if we're wallowing in grief, does it prevent us from living our lives fully? I think it can, um, because if you shut off parts of your life, if you fill your life with grief and shut off the other parts of your life, then you're missing out. And and I think that um, when people come to me who are in grief. The question I always ask is, you, you, you're asking about the other person, but what about you? And what's your life to be about? What is the learning for you out of this? There has to be a personal learning. You know, the other person, you know that they're home, that they're, that they're fine, you know, that whether it was meant to be or it was an accident. But now you're in this place in your life. And how do you adjust to that? And what do you do with it? What do you know now? And, and how do you then process it so that you can move to the next day in your life? Because people are feeling very frustrated about being stuck. They're stuck in the pain. 
you know, they're stuck where they are. They don't understand. They're angry. They have emotions that don't even have names on them, except it's pain. And if they're stuck there, then a lot of other things are beginning to go wrong in their lives too. You know, people stop paying their bills. They don't pay their mortgage. They, you know, they get really stuck. And so it can, it can really cause a deterioration in one's quality of life. And obviously the loved one isn't going to want you to lose your house because you're mourning them, you know? No. So, so Natasha, how, about, how about you? Do you, do you think that, uh, that if you're deeply in mourning that you are incapable or unwilling or not able to move forward to achieve what you uh, your what you had set out for yourself in this life it it, it will deter you it will deter you and i'm going to go to that moment where i lost my mom and i had to be a caregiver for for a year because of Lou Gehrig's disease that when i got to that point after and my in-laws were here I told my father-in-law I said you know can can you support me I don't even know how to be a wife I don't know how to be a mom because I was so just wrung out you know just wrung out and but that detour actually gave me an a more knowing a deeper knowing of me because I was ripped so raw that I was able to build on myself again and like my husband says, you're not the same woman you married because, or that, that I married because of, of that stripping down to bear me. I'm still core me. I'm still nice and everything like that. But like we had a conversation before that I used to not speak and now I'm finding a voice. And there's that moment where finding ourselves, we have to strip down sometimes to get there because we've been so overrun by stories of our lives. And that's part of the grief process. If you're willing to ask the questions mm -hmm. and be willing to hear some answers. And that's why I'm saying to someone, if you're in grief and you are stuck, check in and see someone. Now I had someone that came to me and she and I gave her um, some great tools and, and her friend was actually nodding her head the whole time, you know, because I was so right on. But she was she just in, in a, her grief was part of her tools. She didn't she didn't want to lose that tool. She didn't want to lose who she was with that signature of grief. And that's where her friends needed to start letting her fall, you know, letting her start not being able to pay her bills. So she had to wake up, you know, because she couldn't keep being coddled anymore. And I mean that with love, but after 10 years, it was getting a little long. <laughs> You know, and and I honored her for where she was at. It wasn't for me to say that she shouldn't be there. Yet at the same time, like her loved one was saying, sweetie, I'm trying to help you move forward and you're not seeing it. I learned yesterday in the one in one of the shows that I did. You'd be amazed, ladies, how much I learn when I do those shows. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> but the one thing that I learned is there are people who revel in being stuck in grief or in uh, anger or somebody screwed up my life and so now I can't do anything. And so they, they actually revel in it. They use it as an excuse to sit there and eat bonbons and, and pet the cat. 
rather than doing the work that they know that they should be doing and want to do. How do you, both of you, and I'll take both of your answers, how do you help people get through that? Because that seems like an impenetrable wall of, of that people set up for themselves because they want to feel sorry for themselves. Well, if they're, if they're coming in with a victim mentality and that the world did to this and there's someone else to blame, that, that has to shift if they're really going to do work. Because as long as you're blaming it on somebody else and that it's, it's how do you open that up? I don't find people coming to me if they're in that place usually because they're not willing to do the work. And, and the, um, they may be looking, they may be looking for loopholes, you know, of some of magic to explain it. They may come to me for hypnotherapy, but not for the deep trance work. And, it's all about responsibility of how it fits in your life. So what's your life about? So if I can, what I do is I move back to um, exactly that. It means if they give up the grief that they're going to lose the person. And one of the, one of the first people I dealt with was a man who'd lost his father and was so caught up in the grief um, that that he didn't want to lose that because he felt that if he stopped grieving with that intensity, his father would be really gone. And he had to learn that his father wasn't gone, that his father's energy and love was still with him and that he could still love his father and, and allow the grief to subside. It didn't take that connection away. That makes a world of sense. Now, Susan says, I think she's going to send me a, not, a, a naughty note here in a little bit. Uh, I think some people think that staying in grief means they love their loved ones. That's it's showing how much they loved whoever that. Well, what do you think, Natasha? Well, I, I agree with that, that there there's many different reasons why someone would stay in grief and or victimhood. And I'm going to, and this could actually be a show in unto itself, whatever we stay in, many times someone will find a payoff for it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a kid who, who starts or keeps doing wrong things because he gets attention, you know, or someone who, who like for me, and I'm going to speak of me that I had my arms that, you know, I get migraines from using my arms too much. I, I get different things that my fingers go tingly, like they're going tingly now just from having my arms up. I had to decide, was I going to be in pain to have the payoff for my family to do the yard, the housework for me? Or do I just communicate with my body and say, you know, we're just going to have to buck up here a little bit. And, and you know, if my fingers go numb. Oh, well, I'm not going to have the victimhood of it. So I'm not going to have the payoff. Yes, I can ask verbally for my family to help me, but I don't need to be in pain to get it. So I don't need to have the payoff of pain to do that. So there's many times where, like going back to my, the woman who I was speaking of, that, you know, that's where she, she was getting a payoff lovingly said for her friends supporting her living with her taking care of her so she could stay in that grief moment and if her friends pulled away she would have to start learning to make her own it's like a kid you know you can help them walk or you can kind of let them fall once in a while to feel that that muscle i got to get stronger with that muscle and so it's finding out what is our payoffs for our, our, um, 
our emotions or our our scenarios that keep circling around and and grief is part of that you know that we can stay in that victimhood it's kind of like the some of the homeless people they like to be homeless because they get people's sympathy you know and it's a payoff or they get a payoff and i'm not naming everybody i'm just naming a few but there's these things that happen because we get pays off payoffs from there and we learn we learn habits really early mm -hmm. i mean it's something the human brain is is a professional at developing habits and it starts as soon as our bo uh, we're born that we start to begin to develop different kinds of habits of how we see the world and how we interact with the world and if um being the victim has payoff then we develop habits in that way so if we are a nasty little brat and every time we're a nasty little brat we get candy then we're going to continue to be a nasty little brat and it's the same thing that this could be something that's going on in your whole life and yet when it comes to a spouse dying now it's hitting you know full bore you know it's the whole balloon is burst open but it is based on the overall habits that you have. So if your habits of mind are, are manipulative, then chances are you'll use it that way. I mean, you're talking about this woman who, who was using it in a manipulative and victim way because it worked for her. And she had learned patterns that way throughout her life. It wasn't a new thing for her to do this. This was how she operated. Exactly. And I, but I'm going to also say that a lot of times yeah. this decision making isn't conscious. No, it's you know, not. It, it's very unconscious. And, right. and that's where it takes our friends, unless you're, unless you're a great observer of your life, it takes our friends sometimes to say, you know, haven't you talked about that enough? Yeah. Isn't it time? Yeah. Yeah. Wake up. Wake up. You know, by, by the way, I, I want to mention real quick that uh, that uh, Regan, we used you as a metaphor earlier. I hope you don't mind. No. I, the metaphor was Regan's gone now. We're all going to miss him. And we're all going to grieve that he's gone. But I know that we're going to see him again someday. And yeah. he validated that fact. See, we're going to see him again someday. So death isn't real. No. It isn't. <laughs> Yeah, can you hear me okay now? Yep. Um, no, we can hear you fine. Okay, I had to, uh, I, I had to get my old laptop out, charge it up, and then just go on there and see if. Uh, but that's good because before you were getting all, you were getting static from me, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah There's some kind of electrical interference. So, anyway, like, don't give up. <laughs> you just keep trying something. You know, like that's life. It. That's it. Good yeah, but yeah, it's. Um, it's just becoming more and more clear to me all the time that this uh, analogy of just thinking that your loved one is just in the, you know, they're not dead. They're just in the next room, as we like to say, you know, um, they're, they're just, uh, you know, just over there. Um, yeah. The only thing that is that the only thing about death that is, is the physicalness of it. That is right. the only thing that is final is the physicalness of it like you came back in physicality unless you're choosing to come back as a new being or you do a pop in of a soul you know a soul takeover you're gonna be you're gonna be the body is gone yeah 
My dad is no more physically. He's totally here. Gosh, I can't. Sometimes I can't track him down because he's a little bit everywhere, yeah. <laughs> you know. But but even though you know that you're still going to miss them, you're still going to be grieving to some degree because you just miss them so darn much. It just makes the grieving tolerable, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I know a wise uh, a wise man once told me that um, you know these people that have purported to live for five hundred years, and they said, "Oh man, you got to be a strong." strong person to even wish that because uh, even spiritual as you are, the amount of people that you see come and go uh, is a lot, takes a lot, a big toll on you, even though you're spiritually advanced. It's, it's not something that goes away. Grieving is always there and it's a process. And that's why I tell my patients that are grieving because maybe it's been a year, year and a half or two. And I say, look, you take the time that you need because everybody's different. Some people go through it just like that. You know, a few months they're doing fine. Other people, you know, sometimes 10, 15 years later, they still come unglued or they're just so, you know, so much in grief. So uh, everybody's um, everybody's different, you know, because some people just tell her, oh, come on, it's been a year. Just get over it. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen sometimes. Nor should it. Nor should it. Because right. I know that my pa- my dad has been gone. Let's see. Scott is 28 years old. 28 years that you know it's just one of those things that a moment can come by and i just kind of go and then i get back up and i go and but i can tell you that it depends on my personal connection like i've had a cat who passed away and i barely cried my cat who passed away just lately you know well two years ago you know i still grieve her because i miss her her purrs i miss her physicalness so it just depends on that personal attachment that you have with people. Well, but I can say though that me going through grief as many times, I have a more of a rebound to it. You know, I can see. Okay, I can see the purpose of this. Okay, I can navigate through this a little bit better. You know, I only cried the one heavy day with my cat as she was passing, and then I had just had quick little moments after that. You know, it's just. It's just the process of where we're at. And the first grief yeah. is not easy. The second one may not be as easy either. The third one is a little, maybe a little easier. Depends on the atta- the, the connections. And yeah. it's learning no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn about you and you learn about your connections. And you learn about how you process emotions. And that's all part of life is, is learning. Um, and, it, and it could be that, you know, the fourth cat who dies is worse than the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, that just is what it is. And, and, but there's nothing to blame there, Mm-mm. you know, and the, and there's nothing to, I think it's all part of a natural part of life. We live in, in bodies that have, you know, the meter running on them and they eventually, the meter eventually clicks off and away the body goes. And, and that, that is just it. But we as humans then grieve that passing of that of that important part of our life and and the shift and the and the fear of what what's next, you know, because now your life has changed. You have this pile of bills. You have all these things to do. And so there's a lot of fear and anxiety and anger that is there in addition to simply grief. And that all needs to be processed. And, and it's just, that is part of the process when we lose someone who's close to us. Yeah. 
I told my client uh, today um, that, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I told my client today, I said, well, because she, uh, I was helping her with her in the grieving process. She'd gone to the other side and felt a lot of relief for like the last six weeks. And then one of her coworkers said something to her that triggered something. And she felt she lost all the gains that she made. And I told her, I said, well, grief is not linear. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. up. You're going to have your good days and your bad days. Yeah. It goes round and round. Uh, but um, so then I did a guided visualization with her where she's, you know, going down in a, in a canoe you know, in a beautiful white, beautiful canoe down this river and around the bend was her husband waiting for her and he had a little lunch prepared. He took her to, and then she got off and then she, uh, in the woods a little bit, I had her visualizers like a, like a jungle sauna, you know, just a natural mineral bath. And she was there, had an angel kind of massaging her head and he was holding her hand and uh, it just gave her a lot of peace. And then so when he came out, she was at a nine or a 10 on a scale of one to 10. She just went way back up there. I said, where are you now? She said about a four. You know, I said, that's really good. That's really good. And I said, now the sadness you're going to feel, is going to be a happy sad. I said, there's a difference between between a, a, a debilitating sadness and a happy sadness. Now you still have the feeling, but you know he's there. You know he's okay. And you know you're going to get through this, but you're still allowing yourself to be sad not trying to push it down or anything, you know, you know, so I don't know. I just thought of that today. I thought, well, maybe that's a good way to put it is it's a how it's, you still feel sadness, but it's, it's not the bad kind of sadness. It's more of a, more of an uplifting, soulful, a little bit painful, but, but good sadness, you know? Uh, so yeah. And her it's husband. Different. Yeah. It's, it's the difference between a stuck sadness and a movable sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all go through it. By the way, uh, Susan, I have a question for you. I took my glasses off to wipe my face so I can't read it. Natasha, can you read that? <laughs> Natasha, could you, if you could, could you tell me who met my father when he died? He really struggled with fear of his death. So who he had, he had a team, actually. I see, actually, Azrael with him, Archangel Azrael. I also see um, that he had his father and his mother with him that he also had, did he have a sibling? Cause I feel like there was a brother or an, uh, an uncle type brother uh, that was with him. He had quite a few that, that was helping. Actually they were helping him before that. He just didn't believe it as much. That's what he also had an, another angel, his personal guide angels that were helping him through his transition. We all have all have personal guides and angels, and they also help us through that transition when that time comes. He, it was more his, and that's the thing about death is, is that we always have a primalness to it. There's a primalness of death. It's that the body says, I don't wanna stop breathing. Whew, it's hard to say, you know, I, I don't wanna stop. I don't wanna stop. Uh, I don't want to stop living forward. I don't want to stop that moving forward. I, I have things I want to do. But the body itself goes through this primalness of, of just, I don't want to stop breathing. And that's that fear that comes over sometimes is that primalness of, of just survival. I want to keep going. I want to still eat these things. I still want to do things. And it's, it's, a con it's not a conscious primalness. It's a very unconsciousness that comes in fear. It comes in in that angst of not wanting to move forward. 
Well, in the body's case, it's not moving forward. Mm-mm. It's it's got to go, but it doesn't want to because the soul wants to keep living, and it well, will. You know, the soul it, has already left by that point. Ah, uh, no, not all the time. Sometimes the soul wants to go through that that process. Sometimes it does move on. I can tell you that that when there's more of a trauma passing, like on the um, war fields or car accidents or that kind of thing. That's why there's a lot of people who are drunk when they pass and they don't realize that they're past is because their soul shoots out before that process happens because that trauma is too traumatic. But yet there's that process of, of the body going through something that sometimes the soul does stick around in observation, maybe not in the body, but in mm. observation until that moment. And, and then it will leave. Sometimes it, it stays into that moment. Like my dad, he stayed until he passed and then his soul left. So with that, the, the, there's just, and I was right there when he passed. So there's just this process of, of moving forward. My mom did the same thing. And uh, yeah. talking about her dad, that he also felt a tremendous responsibility to take care of our mother. A few days after I let him know, we take care of mom by the letter, by a letter, he finally let go. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and, that, and that happens as well. And, and that, mm-hmm. well so. like, like my mother of heart, Pat, you know, I told her as soon as she stops being the librarian, she probably, and, and trying to fix her library, uh, library, she probably can go because she was always a woman of details. You know, things had to be in place. They had to, you know, she gave away 90% of her stuff before she left because she had to make sure it all went to the right person. <laughs> so I said, what's that? And that actually helped her pass. Because then she could put it in a process of, oh, I am holding on to things, aren't I? See, now I have another another metaphor that Rian has proved. See, he was here, and then he died, and then he came back, and then he died again, and now he's back. Yeah. And now that's a, a life between lives or life, yeah, yeah. life, a past life experience, and now this is your current life. See? Yeah, but don't I look younger now than before? You do. Yeah. You look so handsome. <laughs> Oh, oh man how do we do it you know we're, we're you know at least me i'm getting up there and I, you know keep wondering how many years i have left to go and uh, i had my grandkids here this weekend and and oh man and that actually i tell somebody when i did my life between life thing for myself so much was going on that's why i'm glad it was recorded because so much went on that i thought i remembered everything but i didn't remember about half of it because there was just so much going on and at one point, I'm before the council, I'm just saying, you know, how can I, how could, what's in general? What do I need to do just to be a better person, you know? And they just said a sentence and they moved on. They said, you could be a better grandpa. And then boom, we went on to something else. Well, a lot of these other things were more involved and we were talking about it for a long time, but I didn't even remember that actually. And then when I listened to my, my tape, because we tape all these sessions for anybody listening so that you can listen to them over and over again, it helps you keep still keep connected to the other side and i heard that and then i took it to heart and i reached out because i'd never had grandparents i never thought grandparents were a big deal i always traveled around and i have nine grandchildren okay so um you know i'd see my daughters and i see the kids i wouldn't pay that much attention to them because i my grandparents never did it to me is what i learned so i started paying attention to them and i'll tell you just if i only had that one sentence in a life between life session that has changed my life like amazingly and now i'm spending more time with my grandkids and my granddaughter that i i hadn't seen in uh 
in about a year and a half. She's the one whose father shot himself in the head just after he dropped her off. And then, you know, went back, he went back to Minnesota and killed himself. And then she's nine years old. And that just has been really hard. But we got her in counseling. She came and told me she likes her counselor. It's a real nice lady. I said, good for you. It feels good to talk to someone, doesn't it? And she goes, yes. You know, so <clears throat> she's on the way to healing or something. But I, and then we were going to go down to the creek. There's a deer that's been uh, going by all the time. And I've been taking these uh, uh, loquats. We have a loquat tree and it has probably 10,000 loquats on it. They're like little plums. And so I've been pulling some off every day and leaving them out for the deer. And we even got a, a motion uh, sensor thing so we could tell when the deer showed up. So when they did, all the kids could run and look at the deer down at the creek eating the, the loquats. But when we were going down there, she just grabs my hand. You know, oh, geez. It was just so nice, you know. Just come on, Grandpa, you know, taking me down there. And at the time, I'm, th I'm saying thank you to the council there on the other side that said you could be a better Grandpa. And, and the fact that I listened to them and did something about it, you know. You do recognize. So it was a very nice weekend. Yeah, so three of, my three of my nine grandkids were here, so that was nice. That is the uh, paramount thing for this part of your life. You yeah. can have an impact for nine grandkids that, that is ex ex exceptional. Or yeah. not, your choice. But if you do, then, then and, and by the way, it's a wonderful feeling when a little kid grabs your hand and says, come on, Grandpa. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Make sure it's safe. Very good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how long are we going to go do this now? Because you guys won't <laughs> shut up. So, <laughs> so Regan, Regan, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do it? Um, you can get a hold of me through visittheafterlife.com. Some great videos on there. Uh, um, I'm Actually, if you see this and you ask for both books, I'll send you copies, e-books of both of my books. One's about my personal experience over there called Three Hours, 33 Minutes in Heaven. And the other one is uh, Reincarnation is Real. It's about all the current research going on in, uh, in reincarnation. And um, anyway, there's videos on there. There's a lot of information. If you have any questions, you can always get a hold of me. Or go to the Newton Institute. Uh, it's newtoninstitute.org. It's going to change soon. Whenever you're listening to this broadcast, it might be michaelnewtoninstitute.org uh, because we have a new website. Think it, what's it going to be, Diana? It's going to stay as newtoninstitute.org. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, good. That's so much easier for me because I'm typing that in so many times a day now, uh, corresponding with people. So anyway, you can go to newtoninstitute.org and uh, maybe find uh, a therapist right in your area uh, or um, even um, a Diana here, which is right next to me here on the screen. You know, she's in the San Francisco Bay Area, she'll tell you about that too. And she does actually Zoom sessions, which I'm just starting to do. She's more proficient than me at it right now. So if you're like in uh, South Dakota or something, or India, like she's had clients over there, uh, get a hold of her and she'll she'll help you. So what about you, Diana? <laughs> um, you can reach me at my website is sfbayregressions.com, and I do sessions online and in person in the San Francisco Bay Area. And if you're just interested in finding out more, just contact me. I get do a free consultation and answer questions. And I'm happy to talk to anybody who's interested in learning more about it. Natasha. You can reach me at angelicclarifications.com. And I just want people to know that no matter who you are, you're perfectly imperfect. And when we're going through these emotions, sometimes 
And many times it's nice to reach out to any of us to get the support because we're all here to help you. You're, follow your truth, who you're called to. We all have different life experiences that helps us do the work. And I just love to support someone through, I don't like to see someone in grief, yet if I can help someone through the grief process so that they can get their footing underneath them, so that they can know that their emotions are doing the, doing the work that they're supposed to, the, I, I would love to be there to support you. So angelicclarifications.com or you can email me at natasha at angelicclarifications.com. You know, one of these days, Susan, we're going to have to drag your butt on to the screen here. Yeah. Because you always have got, you could, you could be a guest and you always have got some very interesting things to say. She does. So very insightful. Very insightful indeed. And and uh, my independence report is on all the time. Just go Google it, and there's lots of content that you like, including including more of this stuff. I try and keep it to an hour so I can replay it, but I'm afraid that won't work. So, and Kevin, Kevin are, are we gonna, <laughs> is this show going to be on next Monday since Monday's a holiday? Uh, it depends on if who wants to show up since I have no life. Um, I will be here. So it depends on if you guys are busy or doing, doing, doing other stuff. We can talk about that after. Yeah. Okay. I we just, can. if, if people were interested, I want to, you know, and thought they would be coming. I want them to know that we'll be here if, if or not. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good. I don't do much, so I'm good. I'm good too. Somebody will be here. It'll either be a current one or a rerun. So. Well, well, we can we can do all that, okay. all right. But thank you guys for for being here. It was a fascinating discussion, and I'm still confused, but I live that way. So anyway, you guys have a great night. And by the way, Natasha, don't worry about it. The temperature's gone way down. It's now 110. Yeah, no, wow. it went up to 103 for me. So <laughs> yeah, so I I've used like five shirts today. So anyway, have a good day, everybody. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we got. See you next time on My Independence Report.